I said, well, hell, I got it going on then. Everyone, welcome back to the Reload Podcast. I'm your host Kyle Boone, and with me today, as always, Dustin Ragusa. Ragu, what's going on, man? You you uh, you're multitasking tonight, doing a little podcasting and uh, watching some hoops. Yeah, just with college basketball season firing up, you know. I know you know with yes. this CBS stuff. So uh, was we were just talking off air. I think Zion. Uh, just broke the basketball goal on an alley-oop in this Duke game against Eastern Washington. So that'll be fun to watch. Um, if you listen to this podcast tomorrow and haven't seen it, go check that out on Sports Center or Twitter or something because it's pretty nasty. Yeah, go check it out on CBSSports.com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% positive uh, I'll be blogging about that uh, shortly, is my guess. As soon as we get off this podcast, I'll probably have to write it up. So. Uh, Zion is a, a never-ending uh, flow of of game content. It's like Draymond Green. Like if Draymond Green sneezes, everyone's interested. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like every time Zion does something, it's like, oh wow, that was everything he does is awesome. I mean, he's just well, he's six foot eight, two hundred eighty-five pounds. Um, this isn't OSU related, but he's just like he's he he's a he's an he's a Martian. I don't know how to put it. Like he's just not from this world. Dude, Duke is gonna make so much content this year with mm-hmm. with those those freshmen. I mean, the first game I think I saw that both uh, Hunter and Zion broke Bagley's record, which was the Duke record for points scored uh, in a first game by a freshman or whatever. Yes, yes. Yeah, that that's just absolutely insane. These th- not only one of them broke, they both broke it. Yeah, so Zion's averaging twenty seven and a half points per game going into the night. And he's second on the team to to uh, <laughs> R.J. Barrett, and both R. J. could Barrett, go. Yeah, I said Hunter. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and both could go, and maybe likely will go top two in the draft. Like I did a mock draft for CBS Sports uh, earlier last week. I have R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, and Cam Reddish going one, two, three, which would be, I don't <laughs> think that's ever happened before. Um. I know. I think two from the same school have gone in the top five, but three of the top five, and certainly three of the top three from the same school would be. I don't think that's ever happened. So, so yeah, good luck. It's like Alabama. Like no one's beaten Duke this year in the national. They're so good. Yeah, I I just they're so good. They beat Kentucky by like seventy points and made Kentucky look like Northeastern State. Yeah, that it's gonna it's gonna be crazy, but it's it's. Started off a pretty fun college basketball season so far. I feel like. So oh yeah. Hopefully it keeps going. What's crazy? I'm I'm watching right now. Villanova, the reigning national champion, is getting beat by 27 on its home floor at halftime by Michigan, the team that it thumped in the national title game. So so far this season has been pretty entertaining and surprising, and uh, so yeah, hopefully we'll have a lot more of it. But we need to talk Oklahoma State first. I need to. Uh, get some house cleaning out of the way with a, a quick word from our sponsor. And then um, we need to get into some bedlam talk. Uh, you may have heard the news that there is a new tax bill in town, but do you know how it will affect you? Angel Johnston and Blasting Game does. Their firm of 10 CPAs 
and 22 total employees, is one of the largest in central Oklahoma, and they've been hard at work calculating all summer and all all fall how these changes will affect hardworking cowboys just like yourself. So give Cameron or Evan a call at 405-224-6363, or they have a website where you can check all that stuff out, uh, ajb-cpas.com. If you go there, the, the phone number's there. The, the website is pretty easy to get a hold of. Um, they've got uh, contact information and, and more information about their business. So highly recommend, guys, they're really easy to work with, uh, 405-224-6363. So Ragu, um, I know it's not LSU, so you probably weren't all that interested, but Bedlam was this past weekend. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma played. Um, did you watch the game, or were you, were you just watching uh, Ed Orgeron highlights? <laughs> no, I watched it. Uh, my wife's family came over and a buddy, <laughs> and we watched it over here. So uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I was cutting video. I'm not pausing and rewinding the TV to do that. So just know that my family didn't have to suffer. I'm doing it on my computer. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> just so, disclaimer. <laughs> so um, so I guess we all made it out of Bedlam weekend. It, it was pretty disappointing overall. Um, OSU lost 48-47, to uh, and, and Gundy went for two. He went for the lead with uh, 63 seconds left after OSU scored. Um, what did you make of the end of that game and just your your immediate impression of the game overall? That, that throw to Tylen Wallace from Corn on the touchdown was insane. Yeah. Fourth, uh, was it fourth and 10, fourth and 12? Fourth and 12, yes. yeah. And Tylen, I mean, tight window. Tylen does a great job hanging on the ball because he got rocked right after. And just to score there is awesome. Especially, I think it was the play before that chuba dropped the slant right which would have been a first down uh yeah yeah you're right yeah so like you know that's kind of a demoralizing play when you had a sure first down and it's a drop and then come back the next play and just fire a dart to tylen who makes a great snag yeah and then i'm fine i'm fine with going for two i didn't even hate the play call it's got to be a little bit better throw um i saw you know a lot of people talking about rolling him out and He's thrown good on the run, and you know some people are saying he doesn't roll out great to his right. I'm fine with him rolling out. I probably would have rathered something where he could have just dropped back and thrown it, yeah. set his feet. But overall, I I don't really have any complaints. I'm glad Gundy went for it. You know, people say he's too conservative. I even feel like that sometimes. So mm-hmm. I kind of like that he just went all out, went for it there. I know you still probably could have scored, but you know. Take some uh, take some guts to go for it there. Yeah, and we'll we'll forever be talking about this. But the only reason that they had to decide whether to kick a an extra point or go for two was because Matt Amendola missed a extra point earlier in the game. And it's Carson Cunningham has said this several times, but it's so true. It's it's just so OSU. It hurts, and it's like God. What if? Amendola doesn't miss that kick. Are they are they kicking it and just they go up forty eight? What would it be forty nine forty eight? Yeah. What yeah. if they kick it and it's forty nine forty eight and they're up one point with sixty three seconds left? I mean, maybe Kyler Murray goes down and and drives a knife into OSU fans' heart, but um, 
I don't know. It it just it was really frustrating and like obviously I was there to covering it cover it as uh as a media member, but that's the first time in a long time I was just like legit bummed. Like I was I was actually not upset, but I'm like, God, this is just it's just Gundy's Gundy has such bad luck in Bedlam and I feel like he for the first time in a long time really should have won that game. I thought he really coached above his level. He was going for it, and uh, he wanted it all. He wanted to go for two. He wanted to to finish off OU and put behind his uh, his bedlam ghost, but just could not do it. And the the bad thing is, Tylen was open. Cornelius just missed him, and maybe you drop a better play to where Cornelius has a has more freedom to maybe run it in. I thought that was a that was a tricky play that they ran because they ran Cornelius to the right and made him throw on the run. Um, which Gundy has said that's not that's not where that's not his world basically, and um, so that's frustrating. But overall, I I have really no complaints about Gundy and the coaching staff as a whole. I thought they really did a nice job, and I'm surprised they were even in that game to be honest. Yeah, um, they had no business being in that game. No, I agree. You know, it would have been awesome if Justice wouldn't have been hurt to run that. 20 personnel well it wouldn't have even been 20 because you probably would have had some tight ends out there but to have that split back split backfield with chuba and justice yeah back there with cornelius and just you know it makes the defense have to pay attention to so much more with both those talented guys out there in the backfield you know maybe have jelani in the h-back spot and then and then they're thinking they're thinking even more because you've got tylen out there and then you've got your two other most dynamic players in Chuba and Justice on the field. So kind of sucks that he was hurt, not just for that play, but in general, even though Chuba did a great job. But, man, it would have been awesome to have him out there on that two-point conversion because I just think that puts so much more in the defensive players' minds to you know to think about. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like um, Justice getting hurt paved the way for the Chuba era. Do you agree or disagree? And do you think we'll see justice for the rest of this year? We will, right? Yeah, I think so. So ribs are weird because you can't really do anything except rest. Right. So, you know, like there's not like a cast that goes on it to help it heal. You just, your ribs are hurt. They're bruised. It's going to hurt every time you get hit. It's going to hurt when you breathe. It's going to hurt when the Cornelius sticks the football in your stomach. Yeah. So it, I feel like he's going to try to play yeah. against West Virginia. I feel like they really want to get that sixth win. Mm-hmm. So they're going to do everything they can. They'll put Justice out there, but if it's still hurting him, I think he's going to come out, kind of like what we saw against OU. Because going into that game, that's what I, I think he hurt himself in the Baylor game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And so he tried to play against OU, and obviously he couldn't. I think the last play was that draw play in the second quarter where he got kind of rocked at the end of it after a nice game, and then we didn't really see him again. Right. So I, I think it'll be a situation like that. Hopefully he can continue playing, but they're not going to risk any kind of serious injury. So if if he looks hurt or if he comes over and says, man, I'm not feeling good, he's probably not going to come back in. Yeah, I think they'll take it slow with him um, because Justice has – Higher priorities to worry about than uh, getting OSU bowl eligible. Right. Um, I I have heard from some people that Justice has intentions to probably declare for the draft, um, and so if that's the the line of thinking here, then 
he's not going to risk his uh, imminent NFL future for uh, potentially getting a couple more hundred yards and trying to surpass Barry Sanders on the uh, all-time rushing yards list. But uh, just as far as Justice and Chuba goes, am I, I, I'm not, I may be overhyping Chuba to the max, and that's fine, but um, is it maybe like a Thurman Barry type situation? Like, obviously, maybe Justice isn't as good as Thurman, but Barry was kind of the underclassman uh, under Thurman, and then Chuba is now the underclassman to Justice. Is is it is it possible that Chuba is like uh, the Barry to? Uh, I don't know how to say that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, and 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 it sucks that it's me and you on this podcast because I feel like one of us has to bring bring us down a little bit. But I've, in all honesty, no, I don't think that's getting too hyped. But I'm gonna say to be you know a little bit more politi- politically correct, and so we have some debate on here. I guess I'm going to say that I think it's too early to tell because yeah. Justice is going to go down as one of the top three, four running backs in Oklahoma State history. Yeah, for sure. And we've seen Chuba for nine games, and some of those games he didn't get very many carries. Yeah. So, I, but, but man, does he look the, – the thing that he does that's so impressive is he's very patient, and Justice is too, but – Chuba's acceleration, like zero to sixty, him to get to his full speed is so quick. It is that his patience and then his ability to see the hole, yeah, and just burst through it is insane. Like, like one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And I don't think Justice has that burst. He's definitely shifty. Uh, they they probably in a in a race. I think Chuba would win, but I don't know if Justice would be that far behind. The dude is fast. Yeah. But that acceleration burst he has through the hole and just being so young and his ability to wait on the hole, yeah. especially, you know, Oklahoma State has a lot of zone runs where, you know, they're kind of opening something up, something there for a cutback. So his ability to find that hole and then hit it like that is incredible. And I get excited every time he touches the ball. I I can't quite put my finger on what elite skill he has other than he's just like really fast, but... I think he has a chance to to go down as maybe one of the best best pass catching running backs that Oklahoma State has had. Um, they lined him up in the slot a few times in Bedlam, which I thought was really interesting, and that's a wrinkle that I would I would like to see uh, no less than thirty times per game next year. But um, <laughs> I'm sure they won't listen to me, and uh, and honestly, his his talents are probably better used out of the backfield, but. I got pretty excited seeing them uh, going, riding him in crunch time, and obviously he had a fumble that may have cost Oshi the game. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, he that was his breakout game. I thought he was awesome. No, I I loved I loved him lining up at wide receiver. I actually wrote about it in my takeaways, and I counted seven times. There might have been eight. One time they split out and brought him back into the backfield. I don't think I counted that one. Yeah, but you know they threw it to him on that little kind of flare bubble screen type play and then they threw the slant to him twice one time he caught it um almost picked up the first down but the like his cut on the slant route was awesome he's a great route runner yeah both times and then he dropped it and you know that second one i think he was trying to turn up field i think he wanted to score you know it's it's the end of the game 
fourth quarter. That was right before the Tom Wallace throw, uh, right before the two-point conversion attempt. So I think he was just pulled his head a little bit and dropped the ball. But yeah, I love yeah, I loved him out at receiver. I hope we see that a lot more. Yes, agreed, agreed. And maybe we'll see him more moving forward, just depending on uh, Justice's status and the fact that they they don't seem to like to give the ball to JD King for whatever reason. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a JD King stan like I am a Chuba stan. So uh yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's my downfall. <laughs> no, I mean I think both of us are firmly planted on the the Chuba train. So I don't know if there's I don't know if there's room to jump onto other trains. That sounds dangerous. No, I I would claim Chuba as my son if uh, if able. So uh, you've been Chuba since day one. I'm kind of coming on late. Yeah, but I hope you'll have me. He's he's so um, his personality is really strong and well I don't know about strong but he just has a lot of charisma and like I interviewed him as a recruit and he was like he was awesome. And I just got a, like a, he has the it type of vibe, you know, and maybe I'm just a sucker for people who can, who can talk well, but you know, when you go into an interview with Justice Hill, he doesn't, he doesn't wow you because, well, I, I think he's just been trained to, to kind of say cliche things, but Chuba is like, he'll talk about anything. He'll talk about it in detail. Um, he's, he's really charismatic and maybe I'm just a sucker for that. I don't know. But also his uh, his cuts and his jukes and jives uh, make my knees weak during football games. So that's cool too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, so Monday, Mike Gundy made a, a press conference appearance as he always does. He said some, uh, some rather interesting things. I'm going to uh, play the audio here and then we can uh, we can react to it. Well, I think we live in a world where people are noncommittal. We, we allow liberalism to say, hey, I could just do what I want and I don't have to really be tough and fight through it. And you see that with, with young people uh, because it's an option they're given. We weren't given that option when we were growing up. We were told what to do. We did it the right way or um, you go figure it out on your own. In, in the world today, there's a lot of entitlement. Uh, I'm a firm believer in the snowflake. I'm talking about every millennial young person generation z i think is what they call them um that's the world we live in because if they say well it's a little bit hard then we say okay well let's go try something else okay so uh snowflakes liberalism uh gundy kind of hit the bingo of uh of pretty much everything that uh maybe you would expect for him to hit on i don't even know anymore like he's just saying stuff that is is just kind of bonkers and off the wall. He kind of sounds like a grouchy old man. What's your what's your, what do you what are we even doing here? Yeah, I I can never really tell if he's joking or not. So I watched uh, <laughs> I watched it on YouTube, and I think you he's know, serious. Well, he'll come back sometimes later in the week when he says stuff, and I'll be like, you know, I was just messing with you. Like when he did the media thing, you know, he said, you know, I don't know why you guys listen to me anyway. I don't make the rules, and it's like, well then why did you say it in the first place? So I honestly, he makes absolutely no sense to me. And also, I always feel like he's just trying to set something else up. Yeah. Because he's such a marketing wizard. Not that, I'm I'm not saying the Snowflakes comment did, but he's just so hard to read in these interviews because he looks mad for a second and then he's laughing and he's taking a sip of his water bottle and he's spilling a smoothie on his shirt. The dude 
is a weirdo. I love it, but he's just he's impossible to read. Yes. No, I I don't know at I think we're learning that Gundy will go to great lengths to talk about anything other than his not very good 2018 football team. That's he's just kind of throwing throwing stuff out to see what sticks, you know what I mean? It's like we're talking about snowflakes and liberalism and um literally just anything to see I guess what sticks in the media other than other than his team and I think it's I find it a little bit ironic that um this is the same guy who's flirted with Tennessee and every time OSU fans get a little disgruntled about his lack of uh performance as a coach he just goes in and threatens to go to another program um, this is the same guy who, who threatened to rip media credentials from media for asking about a transfer last month. So I don't know if he has, uh, any right to call people snowflakes in my opinion, but, um, I guess he's, he's going to go there. He just comes off as, you know, like get off my lawn type of old guy. And, uh, I guess that's just where we're at in society now. I don't know. I don't, I don't. <laughs> But it's like every week now, it's it's something new, and uh, I don't know if it's even controversial. It's just kind of like strange. Yeah, it's just it's just something different every week. I'm sure it's <laughs> you know it gives everybody something to write about and talk about. So you know, props for that. I know some of these coaches come in to media and like obviously at the pro level, guys like Bill Belichick, and literally don't say anything. Right. Don't give you any insight, even if it's you know odd insight. They just really don't give you anything. So I guess it's tough to complain when he's constantly giving you stuff to write and talk about. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, I'd rather have him be very talkative and open like he is, I guess, than um, than the closed out 2014 version of himself, which was uh, very combative and, and didn't want to talk. But he is kind of combative still. I think he's kind of always been a little bit at odds with the media and but I guess now he's just he kind of has a sense of humor to it too but I don't know I I would honestly I would not mind if he's like this the rest of his career it's it's almost like I watch Mike Leach highlights every week from his press conference and people ask him at his at Leach's press conference this week like who would win a fight between Pac-12 coaches? <laughs> and then I watched for like six minutes, and Leach is like legit breaking this down like a UFC analyst. And he's like, well, you know, uh, Utah coach. They're in good shape. Yeah, Utah coach. He's in, Kyle, he's in good shape. And, you know, I think he, he works out pretty well. Mario, Mario Cristobal, he's pretty built out. Once he gets his hands on you, you know, you're done. It's like, what? Yeah, I, I don't mean, know if he, Gundy would do that. Leach just seems like he's having a lot of fun. Yeah. And the media's having fun. Even even when they lose, he still, you know, will answer those questions. It's yeah. so weird. It's it's fantastic. But <laughs> at the same time, I just how do you get away with asking those questions? Like I, I, I can think of maybe one person who would ask those questions to Gundy. Um but those those questions don't get asked. So, I don't know. Maybe if Leach came to Stillwater, he'd plant some people in the media to ask him questions like that so he can avoid. Uh, if if Gundy would have left, Leach would have been hilarious. <laughs> Leach would be a good hire, like a legit good hire. Oh, just that uh, he's he's awesome. I love Mike Leach. Yeah. 
And he'd be a walking content machine, too. <laughs> um, so this is a recruiting podcast, so I guess we could talk about some recruiting stuff. Today was the first day of National Signing Day. Um, and Oklahoma State signed all but one of its players, correct? And I, it was Marcus Watson they didn't, right? But he, he said he's yep. signing this week, right? My understanding from Marshall Scott, our beat writer, is that Watson is signing Friday, I believe it is. It's either Thursday, yeah. tomorrow, or Friday. I want to say he had something like on an Instagram story yeah. or something like that saying he was going to do it this week as well. And then Marshall said that as well. So, yeah, I think it's going to be this week. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're uh, they're signing them all this week, which is good news. Obviously, that they don't have to worry about Marcus Watson flipping to Georgia Tech or the Boone Twins deciding to stay home and go to TU. So, um, what I guess they're announcing it. I think they might announce it at the game tonight or maybe tomorrow. But so we don't have quotes on from Gundy or from Boynton on these recruits, but. I know we've talked about it before, but your your reaction to this class, what do you make of it, and what is what does this class mean for the future of Oklahoma State basketball? And it's it's huge. It just honestly, I know that loss to Charlotte's disappointing. It's probably gonna be a rough season. You and I kind of talked about that. I think yeah. you said we both said they probably wouldn't finish last in the Big Twelve, but I think I said eighth or ninth, and I think you were right around there as well. But no matter what happens this season, the fact that they've got this class coming in is just insane. I saw in the last updated on uh, 24-7, I think they're 13th, and I want to say they're like 20th on rivals. That They they calculate everything differently, but it's pretty good. Um, that's awesome. Obviously, yeah. they're going to drop down a little bit more because some other classes can take more players, but you know, with four commits, they might stay at a pretty good, you know, a pretty good ranking even after it's all said and done. And gosh, these guys come in. Like I said, Marcus Watson, Caleb Boone, Keelan Boone, Avery Anderson. I, I think Caleb and Marcus could come in right away and play. I, I think Avery Anderson as well and Keelan have shots. They might need a little bit of time to grow into the college game, but you definitely got at least two guys, I think, that can come in right away and contribute and maybe even all four of them. And that, these guys are going to be really good, and I'm really excited. Yeah, I talked to um, Kyle Porter, who really just does not dabble too much in the recruiting stuff, just because he's he obviously has like 80 kids and he runs a website <laughs> and all this stuff. But um, I talked to him at Bedlam, and he he said he watched some Marcus Watson highlights, and he said his his knees were weak. He's like unbelievable um, athlete from. Uh, from Georgia. Watson's a freak. He is a freak. He, he six really foot is. six, two oh five. I mean he's a pro. He really is. Well, I was looking somewhere that said he's up to like two fifteen now. Whew. I mean that's a that's a college ready body. He's gonna be like one of the thicker dudes on the team. Wow. <laughs> yeah he will be. I mean what is cause Cam is Cam McGriff's like six seven, two twenty, two twenty five. Yeah. Him and your so, are gonna be Weighing at the same weight. Yeah, so say Watson comes in <laughs> six 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 seven. I think he's six listed as six six. Yeah. Two twenty. I mean he's gonna be he's gonna look like I mean, you know, like a mini LeBron out there. He's gonna be thick. <sighs> Man. 
I'm talking myself into some things I shouldn't be talking about. <laughs> so do you think we need – I mean if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know. But do you think we need to explain what the letter of intent means? Um, I guess, yeah. So it just binds the student-athlete to the school, right? Yeah, basically – like to get out of it now, and unless the unless the school releases you, you have to sit out. You have to transfer. You're right. basically on the team now. It's possible that you could get a release, and that happens all the time if people change their mind. A lot can happen between now and next summer when when these kids are eligible to come onto campus, obviously, and that's something that we should note. But um, unless something crazy happens, like you know, OSU's head coach leaves for Illinois or something. Right, that's, that that's would, when people get releases. Yeah. That would never happen, obviously. Um, and and <laughs> also, yeah. <laughs> and also, they, they can't, like, uh, what was I going to say? Well, now I lost my train of thought because you made that Brad Underwood joke. <laughs> but yeah, basically, basically, they're, they're blinded to the team now right. unless – for some reason, the coach left, or they had some kind of issue, family issue type thing, and we, you know, Oklahoma State would probably grant them release in the case of that. So they're almost for sure one hundred percent on the team after yeah. signing letter of intent. Yeah. So here's here's how they rank in the two four seven sports uh, recruiting rankings. Marcus Watson is the highest ranked recruit. He's sixty uh, ninth nationally. Uh, very nice. Ninety-seven point three nine overall rating, which is a four-star. Caleb Boone ranked ninety-seventh nationally. Uh, his his star ranking is ninety-five point four five, which is a four-star ranking. Avery Anderson uh, ranked one hundred twenty-second, ninety-three point seven four overall ranking, and he's also a four-star. And then Keelan Boone, he's ranked two hundred thirty-third nationally in this class. Um, his uh his star ranking is eighty eight point four two, which is a high four star or a high three star ranking. So, uh, pretty pretty good. Three four star recruits. Uh, one a shooting guard in Watson, one a point guard slash shooting guard in Avery Anderson, and then a center in uh in Caleb Boone, and then Keelan is is a, he's listed as a power forward. He's definitely a small forward. Yeah, cause so. he's like six six, right? He's six six. I. He may play power forward for Tulsa Memorial where he goes to high school, but on the AAU circuit, I've watched him several times. He fits on the perimeter. He does not play down low. Like his his natural position is like um it's on the wing. Like he's he's basically like a uh rich man version of, of Leighton Hammonds is kinda how I see him. Okay. Yeah. Which is a good player. Very good player, yes. Yeah, I don't. He's probably not getting. I'd say this every time we talk about him, but he's not getting as probably as much pub as uh, obviously some of the others, just because he's the lowest ranked of this class. But very good shooter. I love his athleticism. Uh, I think his long term projection, like in three years, is going to be really good. I think him and Caleb, his uh, twin brother, probably going to need to put on a little bit of weight to uh, to be successful at OSU, and maybe they redshirt. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's likely. But, um, but yeah, both could make an impact as freshmen next year, which would be awesome. So two Tulsa guys, which I love, and uh, their last names are pretty sweet too. Boone, Boone <laughs> twins. Nah, I mean, no, nah, I love it. I, it's just awesome to get excited about 
about that. I know we still got a year to wait till they're on campus and playing and everything, but yeah, yeah, I'm just really excited for basketball, especially with the uh, down year in football. So, which I know we've said, yeah, um, headed for a down year in basketball too, but it'll be all right. OSU started its season 0 and 1, by the way. Um, I guess we should note that because we haven't yet. But or did you know? Did you mention that earlier? I think I said lo- yeah. lost to Charlotte, but I might not. Have. They lost to Charlotte on an extremely controversial uh, call in the final seconds. They called a Lindy Waters for an intentional foul, which or they called it called him for a flagrant one, um, which allowed Charlotte to hit a game winning three pointer in the final second. Not great. Charlotte is two hundred ninety eighth out of three fifty three in uh, according to Ken Palm rankings. Uh, my colleague Matt Norlander ranked all 353 uh, college basketball teams going into the season. I think he had Charlotte at like 305. So Charlotte is really, really bad, um, and that's a that's a bad loss for Oklahoma State. So if they're going to get to the NCAA tournament, which is is pretty unlikely, um, I think if we're being realistic, um, this is this if they even get close to it, this is a resume black mark to say the least. So, uh, yeah, there are going to be some growing pains this year for sure. Yeah, that that Charlotte game was rough. In the second <laughs> half, they blew a 24-point lead with 14 uh, minutes left. Yeah, that's brutal. And watching it, it just – it's kind of what we talked about in the last podcast. They didn't really have a guy. And, and Leathers wasn't playing or Cunningham. And I think we noted that in the last podcast. But they didn't have a guy they could give the ball to when they were slumping and not shooting well from the outside and say – Hey, go give me buckets. Right, and and I don't know. I, I think Weathers is that guy. I think so but too. Until we see it, that's going to be this team's problem, even yeah. against the three hundred fifth ranked team. I mean, it, Cam McGriff is awesome for what he is, but he he just is not that guy. Um, I really do think Michael Weathers is probably that guy, and and Weathers may be Oshie's best player, um, but. No indication on when he might play for OSU. He's uh, his suspension has been lifted, which is good news for Oklahoma State. I think Boynton has said that he has to earn back the trust of the coaches, uh, the players, and the people around the program before before he trots him out to play. But I suspect that probably won't be too long. What do you What do you think about that? Yeah, Hopefully. I saw. To, uh, yeah, I saw tonight that he was. Participated in warm-ups and everything, but obviously no guarantee he plays. Yeah. I think you know he'll come off the bench for a little bit to get acclimated in after missing a lot of practice and missing some game time. And then I, I think he works his way into the starting lineup. Yeah, he will. I, he, there was talk of him being a lottery pick when they weren't sure if he was going to transfer and he and he <laughs> I mean like th- this Did we guy, check this, is that is that article written by like Mrs. Weathers eight five four two or something. I just don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't buy t- that. I think he's good, but I don't know. If he's a lottery pick. This this article. First off, it's like a novel. It's like ten thousand words <laughs> on Liberty on Liberty Ballers, which is the Philadelphia 76ers SP Nation site, and it is very thorough. It's got uh, videos. It's got a lot of analysis in there that yeah. doesn't seem made up. And if you read this article, I've read it. You think that, yeah, yeah uh, just for anybody listening, if you haven't read this article, I think I've tweeted it multiple times, but it's, 
you get done and you're like, well, is this about Michael Jordan yeah. or Michael Heather? Like it, it literally makes him sound like he's the best basketball player to ever play. Yeah, the so, process took a really dark turn there. I don't know what year that was written. Maybe 2016, <laughs> but man, yeah, that was that was way overboard. Yeah. So, but he's definitely not that. But I think he, it, I think he is talented enough to be like you just said, this team's best player. Yeah. I mean, he was he was uh, the freshman of the year in the MAC whenever he was at Miami, Ohio, and averaging I don't I want to say like 15 points per game. Uh, don't quote me on that because I don't actually remember. But no, I think it was like 15 or 16. I think you're right. Yeah. And so he was really good. He was really good. I don't know how efficient he was, and maybe he was a good player on a not-so-good team because uh, the coach at Miami, Ohio, who now coaches on OSU staff under Boynton, got fired that year. So they they obviously, as a team, they didn't have a lot of success, but he was really good. And so you would think after he's been on campus at OSU for a year, had a chance to develop, and uh, now finally about to be unleashed, I would think... He's uh he's probably improved. So I'm excited to watch Weathers. I think he's he's definitely the X factor for this team. He was kind of up and down in the preseason. Um but I still think his long-term potential for this year is probably OSU's number one guy if uh if if all goes well and according to plan. So um so yeah. OSU plays tonight, right? Yeah, They're just started, and they are down six to zero. That's a good start. <laughs> yeah, it's the home opener too. UTSA coming to to GIA should be plenty rowdy. My dad and my mom are there, and uh, that's fifty percent of the the crowd expected to be on hand tonight. Stillwater, so. <laughs> dude, nothing like going to watch some Roadrunner basketball. UTSA. UTSA ranked 177th at Kinpom, by the way. So they won 20 last games last year, though. Interesting. 20. 20. That's, that's Kinpom. has OSU winning by 12, 81-61. That's their projection. So <sighs> we'll see if they can overcome this six-point deficit. But we'll recap that game uh, next week. By the time we talk next week, UTSA <laughs> and Charleston will have already made their way to Stillwater. So uh, we'll talk more about that next week, I guess. Hoop season is here. Whoa. I love it. Okay, we will uh, talk next week, Regu. Sounds good. See you, man. See ya.